Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, how you doing? Grab a friend, grab a seat. We have a really awesome church because I have to force people to stop socializing so we can move on with the service. That's, that's, a really, that's a really great sign, and I'm so encouraged that we have such an amazing fellowship where we enjoy one another and we can hang out. So uh, that's really great. So uh, first of all, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I want to welcome you all. Thank you for being here. Who's excited for the warmer weather? I think <laughs> I saw if you wore shorts today, you get a prize. I think I saw Gabe, someone's wearing shorts. You got, oh, awesome, there you go. Flip-flops, anyone? No flip-flops yet? Okay, maybe next week. Oh, Dan's always wears flip-flops throughout the year round, so that's great. Well, we're so excited to be here. The spring is here, the summer is coming. Uh, just one super important announcement. As we shared last week and the week before, we are helping support uh, the relief effort in Ukraine. So as you know, we have a family in our church, Pablo and Anna. Pablo is from Ukraine. He grew up there, and his dad is a pastor of that church. That's right over there. So we're helping <clears throat> support the work that's happening on the ground. Uh, obviously, this picture is taken from, like, better times, but um, uh, be praying for it. Don't, please don't post this online or anything. This is just for you, know, for you to have. Um, his dad is a pastor there in that town, and uh, they've been taking care of a lot of the refugees that have been coming through. There's over 10,000 people in their town, and they're all, all coming over. They're all women and children, babies, all that. So he's providing food for them. He's doing all these things, and we have a connection to uh, help them out on the ground with one of our very own, and we could actually see what's happening. So our challenge that we put out to the church was, hey, if every person in our campus gave $20 or, or uh, every individual from every family gave $20 or whatever you wanted to give or were able to give, um, <clears throat> You can scan, it's just, it's just, this is our regular giving site, but just make sure you put gift type one time and giving type 20 for 20, that's our global mobilization fund. And uh, we, we're gonna get the connect, through our connections, we're gonna get the funds there. Uh, they're part of a, a, a Lutheran evangelical denomination and they're serving needs with the love of Christ. So we wanna empower them with that. So. Uh, with that, as we move on, we are in a sermon series called uh, Christ is King. So I want to first ask you a question. How many of you here like submitting to authority? Anyone here like submitting to authority? No? No, no, a lot of people don't. So I know for many of us, we are independent people, right? We, we like to make our own decisions. We don't want anyone telling us what to do because we're Americans, right? Like we don't want to submit to any kind of authority. But no matter how tough we are or how tough we think you are, there are times when you submit to authority. Now, I remember when I was in college many years ago, I would come home on the weekends because I would help lead worship at the church that I grew up in during, during the English service. So I would occasionally have to get to church early. So one day I, I 
thought I would bring my younger brother with me to church. And, and, I, and I got a new car at the time. Uh, it was an Acura RSX. Anyone remember that, know, know that car? It was like, it was a successor to the, <clears throat> the Acura Integra. And that was like a cool, really cool car at that time. So I got my younger brother in the car, and uh, so me being the cool older brother, what I thought that I would do is I would show him the capabilities of the car and all the things that it could do and explain to him about acceleration, and, 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 and it, you can really change gears, but it was like kind of like the fake shifting gears. I would kind of show him all that. So I, I was driving with him, and while I was explaining uh, you know, the car and, and the capabilities of the car, I might have gone a little bit above the speed limit <clears throat> driving from Suffern to Hilburn, where the church was. So I was explaining this to him, and I was driving this, and, and, and you know, we, were, we were going there. And then all of a sudden, I looked in the rearview mirror, and my stomach and my heart dropped down to the floor. And guess what I saw? It was the flashing lights of a police car. Thankfully, I really wasn't going that fast. But within a fraction of a second, I felt like I had seven heart attacks. Has anyone been there? Anyone? No one wants to admit it, right? Or you look at the rear mirror and you're like, oh my gosh, it's like your, your stomach drops. But I had no, author, no, no choice, but I had to submit to the authority of those flashing lights. And I had to push the brakes, step on the brakes, go to the side of the road. And when the, when the police officer came to the window, I didn't know what to say. I, I was just like, I, you know, I had a hatchback car, so I was like, oh, uh, um, you know, I'm leading worship at the church down the street. See, my guitar is in the back. My guitar is like right there. You could even see it. So I tried, tried to do some kind of Jedi mind trick, but that didn't work. Please don't do that. Just be, you know, don't do that. He still gave me a ticket, but he was, thankfully, he was gentle on me. The worst part about the whole thing was that I was pulled over right down the street from the church. So all the hundreds of cars that were going to church, I would see them passing by and I would see parents and children looking through the, the window and kind of mouthing, isn't that Jeremy's car? So I was so embarrassed. I was like putting my seat back and I was like kind of like going, you know, going down the seat so they couldn't see me. But they all knew my car so I couldn't get out of it. When I got to church, I was so embarrassed. Everyone like kind of didn't say anything, but you knew everybody there knew what was going on. And when I led worship, I was trying to, trying to be quiet and instead of singing loud, I was like, shout to the Lord, <laughs> trying to be nonchalant. But regardless, no matter how Cool, I thought my car was. I had no choice but to submit to the authority that was there. Through the authority of those police officers, they carried the power of the municipality, the village of Suffern or the town of Rampo. They carried the, the power of that town. And they had every right to do anything from give me a ticket or let me go free or even throw me in jail if it was, it was a severe situation, but thankfully it wasn't. Over the last few weeks, we have been in a sermon series called Christ is King. Christ is King, and we have been looking at the gospel of Matthew. What does it mean to say that Christ is King? What does that mean? What does that mean about the nature of Christ as king. Last week, we looked at Christ's humanity. And today, 
we're going to look at and learn about Christ's authority and his power and what it means to submit to that. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Verse 1. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for giving humans such authority. So there are a couple things that we're going to learn this morning about Christ's authority and power. And the first thing is this. Christ's authority and power is activated by our faith. Christ's authority and power is activated by our faith. Let's look at verse 1 again. Jesus climbed into a boat and went across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. Now, compared to the, par- the parallel account of this very same passage in, in Mark and in Luke, it doesn't describe the full scene of what was going on. It dis- doesn't describe the dramatic scene of of, of these men that brought this man onto the top of the roof and, and broke through the tiles of the roof and lowered the man down through the, uh, through the hole in the roof down to Jesus. But it does describe the great faith of these men. Now, we don't know much about this paralyzed man. Why was he paralyzed? Was he in some kind of injury? Did, did something happen to him? Did he do something that caused that to him? Was he born like that? We don't know all the full details. We don't fully know if that man himself had faith in his own life. Maybe he did. But it says that Jesus, seeing their faith, their faith, referring to the faith of all the men that were there in in Mark and Luke, there was four total, referring to the faith of all men, when Jesus saw their faith collectively, It activated Jesus' response in power and authority. There were four men there taking this extraordinary effort of carrying this man by hand. Who knows how many miles away he lived? Up to the top of the roof, breaking up the roof, bringing him down. Now that's a complex effort and operation. But when Jesus saw their faith, it activated his response in authority and in power. 
You know, it's interesting to note that many times more miracles occurred amongst the people that had faith. Uh, It happened amongst people that had a higher level of faith. And also the opposite is true. We know in in Jesus' own hometown, because of the unbelief of the people there, they rejected him. And he couldn't do as many miracles there as he did in other places. Jesus said to many of the people that he healed, he said that your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now, there are also cases in which the afflicted person did not have faith, but Jesus still healed them anyway in his sovereignty to show that he was God and to prove who he was. But what we do know is that healing, the actual healing, doesn't come from our faith, but it comes from Jesus, the healer. It comes from Jesus, the healer. But our faith can play a role in activating his power and authority. One of the questions I have for you this morning is this. Who is that one person in your life that needs your faith? Who is that one person in your life that needs your faith to activate the power of God in their life? There could be two types of people. Maybe there's one person you know, and and there's someone who is far away from the Lord. They've walked away from him. They are struggling in sin or addiction. Maybe they've made poor choices in their life, and they're angry at the world. Or on the other end of the spectrum, there might be someone else that is facing life-altering circumstances in their life that, that they had no control over in their family or their marriage or their career or their health crisis. And they have at a place where they're losing hope. There may be someone who needs God's authority and power to to intervene. And you may be the only person of faith around them to bring them to Jesus, to activate that. You know, sometimes it's going to take more than just you. You know, the beauty of doing life in community is that you could round up your friends of faith and intervene for that person, coming alongside that person, maybe in an intervention, or whatever it takes, even if it means collectively bearing the consequences that follow, taking a risk. You know, the men... In in this passage, they were desperate. They took a faith-filled risk. Remember, if their friend wasn't healed, if they brought him all the way there and he wasn't healed, they had to carry him back again however many miles, back to his home. And they could have just settled in their life just being, saying yes to maybe one day being the pallbearers at his funeral, just just carrying him a small distance to, from his house to the grave. But instead, they stepped out in faith for this man and carried him all the way to the feet of Jesus. It may take your faith for a breakthrough to happen for someone. When these men 
brought the man to Jesus, Jesus saw him and said, be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. And in a compassionate way, he called him my child. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. I have you. So regardless of whatever happened next, this man knew that the love of Jesus was real and was personal. The question I have for you is, who are you willing to carry to the feet of Jesus? Maybe for some of you, it's a person in your life right now that is so resistant that you can't even get anywhere near them, but, but you can carry them from afar through prayer. You can gather up your prayer warriors and, and carry them afar to the feet of Jesus until they are ready to come with you. Maybe for some others, you are able to physically carry them somewhere. You can physically carry them to a place where they can receive prayer. You can carry them to church. You can carry them to your group for community. You can carry them to a place where they can receive whatever help they need, whether medically or psychologically or, or whatever it takes to let them know how much Jesus loves them. What if God is waiting and he is watching for you to step out in faith for another person so he can activate his power and authority. Amen? <clears throat> Christ's authority and power is activated in our, through our faith. Next. Christ's authority and his power is complete. Christ's authority and power is complete over all things. Let's continue reading. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up? Jesus, stand up and walk. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? Is it easier, sorry, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So, verse 6, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man. And said, stand up, <clears throat> pick up your mat, and go home. Now imagine these guys who brought this man to Jesus. They were probably so relieved that, that after walking all these miles, after getting through the crowds of people, they were finally able to get face-to-face -face time with Jesus. And the moment of truth was finally here. But Jesus said to the man, <clears throat> your sins are forgiven. Now, if you can only imagine what they might have been thinking, they were probably so confused or didn't understand what was going on. But at the same time, we see the response of the Pharisees. When Jesus said that, it elicited this anger from the Pharisees who said, that's blasphemy. Why? Because for Jesus to say 
that this man's sins were forgiven was that he was basically making the claim that he was God because only God can forgive sins. And there was this clash between two authority figures, the Pharisees and Jesus. But why did Jesus say, your sins are forgiven? So in ancient Jewish culture, and in the ancient world at the time, there was thought to be this connection between sin and sickness. People thought that those who were sick and those who had physical deformities were that way because they had committed some kind of sin in their life or their parents or their family have committed some kind of sin and, and they were bearing the consequence of that. And the opposite was also true. They thought that, hey, those that were healthy were healthy because they were blessed and they were living righteous lives and they had God's favor over them. <clears throat> but in reality, the full story is that, that Adam and Eve's original sin brought mortality to all of us, brought mortality to the world. And we all now face its consequences of being in a physical body that is subject to illness and disease and suffering. So if someone was able to heal someone physically, it showed them that, that they had authority and power to also forgive sin. Jesus asked the Pharisees, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Obviously, it was infinitely harder to say that your sins were forgiven. So what Jesus was doing, he was putting on the line in front of all these people, he was putting his credibility on the line to prove that he was God. You see, while we are concerned mostly about the immediate circumstances in our lives and, and things that are going on, God's concerned about those things too. But he's also concerned about the much larger part of the picture. For this paralyzed man, he could be healed, but one day he would die again as a mortal person. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, God dealt with the key problem of humanity, which was the need for forgiveness and to have a way of life forever. By having been forgiven, this man would never again die spiritually. And he may die physically, but then he would be fully alive fully redeemed, given a new body that would never, ever face illness or disease ever again. And if you place your faith in Christ, that is a guarantee that we have, being the redeemed. Christ's authority and power is complete. It's not just available for the immediate circumstances of brokenness that we face but it's overcompassing all brokenness in the world and the need for redemption and forgiveness. These Pharisees, instead of responding with praise, they responded with defiance and anger. 
And if we're not careful as believers, we can also fall into some of these pharisaical ways. For us as Christians today in in the modern world, I I believe, I feel sometimes the situation is, is the opposite. It's easy for us to believe that Jesus is our Savior and he's our Savior from our sin and he's our Savior from our afterlife. But as believers, have we lost the awe and the wonder of believing that his, his power is also available in our present. And as Christians, have we become so used to going through the motions, coming to church, just checking everything off the, the checklist, going through all the formalities, living in Christian culture, that we've lost sight of the power and authority that is complete over all broken areas and is available over all broken areas of the world? Have we forgotten that this Jesus that has a power to forgive sin can also bring healing today physically, mentally, and emotionally? And has our lack of faith prevented us from asking for that? Jesus told the man, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk home. And the man did just that. He stood up, he picked up his mat, and went home, proving that Jesus was the real deal. He was God. You know, my hope is that I hope that that man, having been physically healed, didn't just move on with his life and all the things that he was now able to do. But I hope that that man fully embraced as equally his newfound forgiveness, experiencing hope and victory and joy in however many years he lived in his life. Christ's authority and power can be activated by our faith. Christ's authority and power is complete over all things. And lastly, Christ's authority and power sets people free. Verse 7. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for giving humans such authority. You see, when you and I as believers, when we operate in faith and we invite Christ to work in his power and authority, what happens is that people get set free. This paralyzed man, he experienced freedom physically, but also spiritually. Now, the hard part is, as we know, we don't always understand why God heals sometimes right away when we pray for something, and for other times it it takes longer Or maybe God's doing something else we don't understand. But what we do know is this. As his children, we have every right to pray and invite his power over every area of crisis in our life. To bring healing. To bring restoration. To bring redemption. And no matter how long we wait, we keep inviting him in. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And as we live that life, our heart changes 
no matter what the situation is, no matter how long we wait. You know, I love hearing stories of people that have been healed. I love hearing stories of people that have found uh, healing from recovery or addiction or being set free in, in certain ways. And it's so encouraging, so empowering, and we celebrate that. But do you know what also I love? I love hearing stories of people who are still waiting and haven't lost their faith or haven't lost their hope. I love hearing stories of the saints, all of us, still pursuing healing, still pursuing the Lord in the midst of suffering, in the midst of the storm, never giving up till the very end because it inspires me. And we stay strong and we keep pushing forward until the healing comes. We also see from this passage that faith brings more faith. It says that fear swept through the crowd and they praised God. And this fear was a reverent fear, believing that Jesus could heal and do these amazing things. Now, this was good news. This was what this group of people were hoping for for centuries, that they could have forgiveness of their sins, that, that they could have healing for, for their bodies. You know, any place you find faith, you also find worship. You know, worship signifies freedom. As a church, let's be that place that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we are facing, no matter how hard things are or how hard we are running towards Jesus, we always live with a constant state of thankfulness and worship. Because that worship is freedom, and that freedom is something that no one can ever take away from us. There are people right now in restricted countries and in prisons that have lost everything, but they have not lost their faith. They have not lost their worship. In the midst of any situation, the joy and presence of the Lord is with them. And that is the secret of the kingdom of God. We also have the power to set others free. The disciples of, of Jesus, what they did was they, later on, they started operating in their authority and power, and they started setting other people free. It says that later they went out in the Great Commission we learned about two weeks ago, and they went out as agents of his authority and his power you and I have the ability to set people free under the authority of Christ. When we call upon his power, when we call upon his healing, when we call upon his intervention, when we speak his words of power and encouragement, that is the good news. So what does it mean to submit to Christ the King? If there is a king, we must submit. What does it mean to submit to Christ the king? You see, the reason we don't want to submit to a king or a ruler is because we've only seen bad examples of them. 
When you look around the world today, we've seen how bad kings and bad rulers and tyrants and dictators are, and they exploit their power and they abuse their people. So, of course, no one wants to, to follow a leader or a king like that. And the reason why you know, we have democracies in the first place and systems of checks and balances and things is, is because we can't fully trust one broken, imperfect human leader. I want to invite the band to come forward as they get prepared for the next song. You know, in a true kingdom, a true kingdom, in a true kingdom, a king is supposed to be called by God to protect, to provide, and to bless. And the gospel of Matthew depicts Jesus as this true king. Jesus was a true king who left his throne of glory, who left his throne, who came down to earth. And he faced all the hardships and all the pains and all the things that, that we face. And through his death and through his resurrection, he was a king that went before us to prepare a way to life. And that's why we say that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why the name of Jesus is a name that is exalted above all names. That is what a true king does. Who wouldn't want to follow a king like that? As we close in worship, I want to invite you to, to stand up as we prepare our hearts. You see, when I turned 16 or 17, I, I had to submit to the powers and authority in my state of New York, the motor vehicles department. And I had to follow their rules and instructions and do their tests, which, by the way, in New York, we actually do our driving tests in the actual streets, not in the parking lot like in New Jersey. Just thought I'd share that, for those of you who don't know. So I had to submit to these authorities, and what happened in return is I was given this driver's license. And this license expanded my freedom. Before, I was limited to other people who could drive or buses and trains or, or bicycles. But once I got this license, I was able to finally live a free life. I was able to go where I wanted to go. I was able to have more influence. I was able to do more things. It gave me freedom. Around that time when I was 16 or 17, I also submitted my life to the authority of Christ. And when I did, he intervened in different ways, in power and in healing, setting me free from things that controlled me like sin and anxiety and old patterns. And it's an ongoing process. It's still happening. It's an ongoing sanctification. But he showed me that there is a new way to live free under him with hope and freedom. I never imagined that I would be a pastor. I never imagined that I would be someone that would even speak in public. But he brought me to this place over time where he expanded and he said, this is, this is the kingdom. This is what you're empowered and able to do through my spirit. 
Who wouldn't want to follow a king like that? I want to invite you this morning as we close our eyes and open up our hands to submit to the kingship of Christ because only there will you find freedom. You can't invite his power until you first submit to his authority. And this requires humility. Let us live fully humble, fully emptied of ourselves. Maybe for some of you here today, you've never given your life to submitting your, your, your eternity to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I submit to you, my King. You provided a way. You've provided forgiveness. You've opened up the door for me. Maybe there's some of you here today that, that you've been following Jesus, but you haven't fully submitted to his lordship and his kingship in every area of your life. And there's some piece of your life that you're still holding on to and say, no, I, I, I sit on the throne in this one area, whether it's your career or your family or, or, or your desires or something else. Would you surrender this morning to Jesus? You are my king over all areas. I want to be set free. I want this life of freedom. And I want to step forward setting others free too. So with that, let's worship together and remember his power and his authority and his love, what he's able to do. Let's worship. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.